Hey, Peak Pals, at the end of today's episode, we've got an exclusive interview with Emma Race. She's the Senior Director of Sustainability and Social Impact at Lavla. Now, Emma has the privilege of driving environmentally and socially sustainable initiatives with a focus on Lavla's commitment to reducing plastic waste, achieving net zero carbon targets, eliminating food waste, and feeding more families. Sounds like a big job. In our conversation, we're chatting with Emma about an exciting and unprecedented renewable energy announcement. I don't want to spoil too much, so make sure to stay tuned at the end of the episode to hear about how Loblaw is changing the renewable energy game. With that, let's kick off today's episode. I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Monday, May 29, 2023, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Okay, Peak Pals, well, if you were thinking about ChatGPT to outsource some of your work, you probably should think again. There's a cautionary tale about a lawyer who landed in hot water after using the bot to draft one of his court filings. Now, here's the problem. ChatGPT did the job by just making up a bunch of previous cases. The lawyer says he did try to verify the accuracy of the filing, but unfortunately, he verified it by asking ChatGPT. So I think this is another, you know, we talk a lot about AI and how the prospect of AI taking all of our jobs, but this is a good example of how we're still a ways away from that, I think. Now, maybe not too far, but we're still a ways away from it. What do you think, Jay? Don't lawyers have like databases of cases to draw from for this type of thing? Like, I would understand if you or I were trying to defend ourselves using ChatGPT, but an actual lawyer, that seems to be bad mm. law practice, I think. You got to read them. You got to write something. And this says it all in a second. I, you know, I see the temptation behind it, but I think it, it was just misguided. I love that it was it pointed to fake cases. That's really good. The judge must have been yeah. super happy with that guy. Yeah, he goes, uh, so this was Evans versus, you know, the state of Missouri. And it was just made up. It was about a, you know, a DUI. Who knows what it was? Well, Brett, aside from lawyering with GPT, what do we have for Peak Pals today? For our first story on the internet, seeing is not believing. For our second story, competition watchdog says cannabis should be easier to sell. And for our last story, Alberta goes to the polls. For our first story, it's time to update the old warning, don't believe everything you read to. Don't believe everything you see. What should we be looking out for, Brett? Image editing tools that use AI to generate convincing but fake visuals are going mainstream, with Adobe's announcement that it is adding a generative fill feature to its popular Photoshop software. Generative fill lets users edit real photos with nothing more than text prompts, producing images that look more realistic than those generated entirely through AI in tools like Midjourney. Tutorial videos posted online show people using the tool to add animals to their landscape photos, changing outfits, and place people in fake background scenes. I saw some of these. It looked really cool. And it matters because photoshopped images circulating online are nothing new, but the latest crop of AI editing tools has dramatically expanded the pool of people who can create convincing fakes. That's already having real-world consequences, Brett. Like last week when an AI edited image that purported to show the Pentagon on fire went viral on Twitter and caused markets to dip briefly. Certainly. Figuratively, not literally, I guess. Filters used to change people's appearance on apps like TikTok have become so realistic, some experts warn they could have harmful psychological effects on actual users. Yes, but most people will use these tools for non-evil creative endeavors. Photoshop subreddit is filled with examples of art users having creative with generative film, as well as more pedestrian uses like expanding photos or enhancing headshots. Yeah, I saw one where they added like a median strip to a bicyclist photograph. Did you see this? Anyway, it's making its round, certainly uh, where I follow. But the bottom 
online, we still don't have any consistent way of quickly verifying the authenticity of an image, though some ideas for fixing this are floating around. So until that changes, a healthy skepticism about what you see online is warranted and probably a pretty good warning for almost anything you see online anyway, visual or not. For a second story, here's an only in Canada story for you. Government officials are worried that it's too difficult to sell people weed right now. Which I know this is a issue close to your heart. What's going on? Yes, this is a big one for me. Well, the Competition Bureau is asking Health Canada to loosen rules that restrict how cannabis is marketed and allow people to buy, well, frankly, stronger edibles. Under the current regulations, cannabis has to be sold in kind of at least very plain packaging and edibles like weed brownies and gummies can contain a maximum of 10 milligrams of THC, the psychoactive ingredient in cannabis per serving which is low for more experienced consumers. Which brings in me. The Competition Bureau <laughs> thinks all those rules are really kind of harshing the vibe of cannabis buyers and pushing many of them to black market products, which are often less expensive and often more potent. And it matters because legal cannabis was supposed to wipe out the black market, but that hasn't happened. 46% of cannabis is still bought from illicit sellers and legal businesses, which follow strict regulations and charge tax. The legal businesses, well, they're struggling to compete. Yes, but the federal government wants people who already use cannabis to switch to legal products without encouraging people who don't use cannabis to actually start. It's a pretty thin needle to thread, and legal weed has to be appealing but not too appealing, which is really, as I said, a tricky balance to strike. For our third and final story, voters in Alberta will decide on their next premier today in a close election that's being watched around the country. And this matters because the outcome of this vote will set the tone for the relationship between Alberta and Ottawa. As premier, United Conservative Party leader Danielle Smith passed a sovereignty act that she claims would allow the province to refuse to enforce federal laws it deemed unconstitutional. While Smith has yet to use the law, and many legal experts believe it would be vulnerable to court challenges, a big win today could push her to a more aggressive stance in challenging Ottawa on areas of disagreement, ranging from energy to resource development to gun laws. To catch you up, the latest polls show Smith's United Conservative Party, the UCP, with a small lead over Rachel Notley's NDP. Polling aggregator 338 Canada forecasts the UCP winning 51% of the vote and a majority of the seats in the legislature. Yes, but... The race will likely be decided in Calgary, where a number of close races are being fought in key swing ridings. Next, polls close at 8 p.m. Mountain Time and we'll have results shortly after. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Thank you, Brett. Have a good day, Peak Pals, and get to the polls today if you're in Alberta. Peak Pals, thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Now, as I mentioned at the start, we've got a super exciting conversation with Emma Race, the Senior Director of Sustainability and Social Impact at Loblaw, about an unprecedented renewable energy purchase. I'm excited to get into this with you. And so without further ado, here's our conversation with Emma. Hi, Emma. Thanks so much for joining us on the Peak Daily today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Okay, so as we tease, we have a big announcement from Loblaw, and I would love to get into it. Tell us about Loblaw's new energy purchase. Yeah, absolutely. So as you may have heard, we announced this unprecedented carbon-free energy deal that will significantly reduce our carbon emissions. So what that means is all of the electricity that we purchase and use to power our supermarkets, drugstores, our offices and distribution centers all in Alberta will be generated entirely by wind, sun and water. This is very exciting for us because this type of carbon-free power purchase is the first of its kind in Canada. 
and it will completely eliminate Loblaw's carbon footprint in Alberta and also cut our nationwide operating emissions by 17%. It's a lot of excitement, a lot of numbers, a lot of stuff. Totally. And I'd love to double click on that because obviously a lot of businesses are using renewable energy already. What makes this purchase different or unique from what other companies are doing? Yeah, it's an excellent question. So renewable energy is amazing when the wind is blowing and the sun is shining. But when it doesn't, you run into challenges. And so this program actually provides a solution to that problem because it solves for the intermittency challenge that's often associated with renewable energy. And what that intermittency challenge means is that when the sun doesn't shine and we don't have wind blowing, we'll actually be leveraging a pumped hydro station, which will circulate water up and down a hill. So kind of manufacturing a waterfall to create a carbon-free hydro energy. And most importantly, what that does, it is it allows the ability to charge a massive battery that will supply the electrical grid with a stable power source when wind and solar are not available. So what's the end result? It's carbon-free energy that's available 24-7, not just when the sun is shining or the wind is blowing, that will not only power Loblaw stores and businesses, but also create a more stable and reliable renewable energy for all Albertans. Wow, that's really interesting. And obviously, this isn't just a, a one-time thing. There's a bigger kind of picture here of why Loblaws is doing that. And I'd love to kind of dig into why did Loblaws make this purchase in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. So we at Loblaw, we have a long-standing commitment and leadership in the realm of fighting climate change and specifically to achieving net zero carbon emissions for our entire operations. That's not a small feat. But when we made these commitments, we recognized that much of the technology and innovation that we needed to achieve those goals didn't yet exist. But we committed anyway, knowing that we'd be early adopters of technology and innovation when it did become available. And we also run a very energy intensive business. We transport food. We have to maintain cold storage supply and the cold chain, storing fresh produce and meat, your favorite ice creams. All of this requires a ton of energy. And so we recognize that. And that's why we're investing in clean, renewable solutions that reduce our carbon emissions and also do good for the planet. It was such an easy decision. And it's one of the reasons that I really love what I get to do at Loblaw, because we're committed to investing in innovative solutions that help our business do well, but also do well and do good for the planet. And this purchase alone will save the equivalent of up to 180,000 metric tons of ever being released into the atmosphere. So that's not a small number. And it will also provide over 300,000 megawatt hours of carbon-free energy every year. So for scale, for your listeners, that's enough energy to power all of the homes in a city like Lethbridge, Alberta. That's an incredible accomplishment. Now, you talked about getting to net zero for all of your operations. That's obviously a huge undertaking. What else is Loblaw doing from a sustainability perspective that you think Canadians should know about? Well, as a senior director of sustainability and social impact at Loblaw, I could go on for a long time because there's a lot going on. But to keep on the same thread on carbon reductions, in 2022 alone, we completed 250 projects that all work to reduce our carbon footprint. And we also recently announced the first of our zero emission day caps that hit the road in Quebec back in April. So thanks to these efforts, you know, in our most recent ESG report, which we released earlier this week, and is a real page turner, Brett. So if I can encourage your listeners to check it out. We have announced over the past two years of meaningful business growth. We simultaneously cut our carbon emissions by 8%. And that is a lot, a lot of really good work. And it's showing and bearing fruit. 
but we're just getting started. There's a lot to do. And I know I speak for many of my colleagues at Loblaw when I say we're extremely excited and inspired by the journey we're on to get to net zero. Amazing. There's a lot going on and we will link to the ESG report in the show notes just so everyone can take a look at it. But Emma, this was an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on and telling us about this pretty groundbreaking purchase that you're doing in Alberta. And I'm just excited to see what the results are and what the numbers actually bear when all is said and done. So thank you again for joining us today. Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure, Brett. Thanks for having me.